The weekend that was, Rowdy and I, obviously down at the Red Zone on Saturday for the Zone Blitz pregame bash, we had an absolute blast and met a lot of new listeners. Uh, shout out to the Rice Lake area, W-A-Q-E. I don't know if we've had too many Rice Lake callers, but we had two guys come down from Rice Lake and say hello. That was awesome. And we had the one and only big big unit, the Bill Michaels experience there as well. Rowdy, good times at the tailgate on Saturday, man, drinking those Coors Lights. That was nice. Yeah, there was a another steady flow of listeners, new, new old. Yeah, I think we met more new ones than um, uh, some of the standbys. Uh, you know, the the mainstays have come around. It was a really good time. I think one of the guys says it's quite the hell of the community you guys are building here with over the line. <laughs> I would also say He's that right. um, there were more Rutgers fans than there was in the past. Yeah, I know. And um, well, speaking of that. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see that they're growing a, a fan base as well. Yeah, because in previous years, a we could barely remember ever playing against Rutgers at Camp Randall, and and turned out it wasn't it was what twenty twenty one, and uh, there was like no fans, but there's a lot of fans for Rutgers. Well, comparably, I guess respectfully, uh, on Saturday. But damn, what a good time! It truly is fall though, Rowdy. Fall is it, it was the official sign of fall on Saturday when we were outside. Bundled up, I had a starter jacket on. Rowdy had his hoodie on and his his pants and his boots. I think he retired the shorts. And it was uh, once that sun went under the clouds, it got a little chilly. And then it truly is fall. And you know, wake up today is in the forties. So welcome to fall, my friends. That crisp football air. So Nelly, we were talking on Saturday about like people having peacock or maybe people not having peacock and uh, it being hard to watch. Hell, Ryan from the Red Zone, the guy who owns the uh, the Red Zone we were at. He had went out and bought, what did he say, went about like 10 fire sticks or something like that uh, so he could, you know, stream Peacock on some of his TVs in the bar. Now, I went home uh, after a little bit after kickoff. Rowdy stayed for the tailgate. Rowdy, what, did you have any problems trying to watch uh, the Wisconsin Badgers take down Rutgers 24-13? No, I was going to say at the red zone, it seemed just like another game. You wouldn't have been able to tell for the most part that it was on Peacock or a streaming service or that it was, you know, roughly, what did he say, 10 to 15 out of the roughly 40 TVs yeah. that they have at the Red Zone. We're going to have it on because that's how many fire sticks he had to go out and buy. Hilarious that he did that. Um, I don't, you, you couldn't really notice a difference. Um, I noticed the difference when I got home because I, you know, I got picked up. Uh, for my wife, get home. I had to go the um, the uh, wink, wink, illegal stream uh, cracking uh, online. It was uh, a little annoying. Uh, got it, but it wasn't the greatest of you know, a little spotty, a little uh, pixelated, if you will. But the game itself, I mean, twenty four thirteen. I know we had talked about this being a better version of Rutgers than we had seen in the past, right? Twenty four to thirteen. How are you feeling after this game as the Badgers are still undefeated in Big Ten play, 4-1 on the year? So, watching that game, didn't it almost feel like it was still ugly? They yeah. didn't put a full game together. They didn't look great. But there was really no time in which I was thinking, Wisconsin's going to lose this game. Never. But it was like, okay... It's it's like they're just kind of going through the motions because they knew they could. Against and it Rutgers. felt like a game where if they made a few more plays or maybe a few negative plays didn't happen for them, they easily could have buried Rutgers by three, 21, 24 yeah. points. Like it felt like it could have been a game that got out of hand, but because of a few big plays here and a few big plays there, yeah, it didn't. And and... But at the same time, another game that – wasn't 100% clean, wasn't 100% pretty, and 
way closer than it probably ever felt like. Yeah, uh, Zach Halpin, our sports director, he, uh, oh, Kinger on Twitch says, did Zach so- show up to the tailgate? Uh, said, no. no, no, he didn't. Zach did not show up. I do believe Zach was a little under the weather, though. So um, I didn't. Exp- he had mentioned to me that he wasn't feeling the greatest rowdy. So um, that's why he did not show up, I do believe. But on his article, right here, Wisconsin's offense was supposed to be explosive with offensive coordinator Phil Longo running the show. But that did not happen Saturday. The Badgers, the Badgers had just two pass plays of 15 or more yards on the day. And there were a lot of jobs. So the Badgers, just two pass plays of 15 or more yards on the day. We talked about this air raid offense, right, Rowdy? And we were joking around saying, oh, this air raid offense is featuring Tanner Mordecai and his legs. I guess I'll take it because you saw, you know, before the bye, Tanner Mordecai rushing the touchdown a couple times for Purdue. And then Mordecai, again, using his legs rowdy uh, yesterday. I mean, the passing numbers aren't going to wow you, but he ran for 50 yards, and he was responsible for five first downs with his legs. What is this? Is, is this just a new version of running the football for Wisconsin? I don't know, but <laughs> Mordecai do it. Moving forward, you you kind of start to get nervous on where they're at here offensively because you would you would have felt like you had the e- clearly the easy part of your schedule you've just completed. Yeah. You had your non-conference games, which two out of the three were against relatively lesser talented teams. Washington State so far turns out to be better than expected, though they just lost over the weekend to UCLA. But you had Purdue, who was rebuilding with a new head coach, and you had Rutgers, who still wasn't good. Those were two games you had to jump, and you thought, you know what, by the fifth game in, this team would be finally firing on all cylinders, and they, they, they'd they host Iowa, and you, you would hope that that would be a good game because Iowa always brings the defense. But it's still like it's... It's choppy. Yeah, it's, it's not together. It doesn't look great. No. And I think you want to start. Now, I don't know if you have to be great. Well, do you have to be great against Iowa coming up here, Rowdy? No, especially because <laughs> Iowa brings in Cade McNamara. Uh, Iowa brings in, what was it, uh, Alf, the tight end. They brought in another receiver. Like, all guys that were supposed to be pretty good players. Yeah. Well, McNamara's hurt. Alf's hurt. Deacon Hill time. Yeah, Deacon Hill, the guy that was third string two years ago is now their starting quarterback. So you know, Badger fans, it feels like if the defense just isn't God awful, they'll find a way to win that game because Iowa has to score points with their special teams and defense, which it feels like you say every single year. (laughs) I mean, they beat the Boilermakers Purdue 20 to 14. You had, did you have a bet on that? Or no, we were just running it down on that. We were running down on um, the Zombos pregame bash our thoughts. Yeah. I mean, Deacon Hill was six of 21 for 110 yards and one touchdown and a pick. Six of 21. But doesn't it feel like if you're Wisconsin, you start looking around, and I get that it's the first year, and a lot of these are the, the remnants of the Jim Leonard, Paul Christ coaching staffs with the players that fit their systems. Yeah. Obviously, Luke Fickle only had what? Not even one full recruiting cycle where where he had to last second try and pull in a ton of recruits and then a few like transfers here and there that would also be coming into their first year of the program. But I guess you would technically say they're their players. Yeah. But you think about this next year, Tanner Mordecai isn't going to be there. He's done. He got him. He's a one and done guy. He got him. Now, Tanner Mordecai, again, if you pull up his numbers, 17 for 31, 145 yards, a touchdown, no pick, also ran the ball for 50 yards. Those numbers aren't good, but I feel like he's played a lot better than his numbers yeah. because of 
how in flux some of the roster is. Like there were a lot of drops. Oh my God, was there ever in the game? Tanner Mordecai used his legs, like you mentioned, which we really didn't know he had, and haven't seen a ton of that from a Wisconsin quarterback just in general. And then I think the other thing is, I know Zach, our sports director, Zach Heilprin brought it up. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Some of the snaps, not great. No, not great, Bob. Which, which makes it even harder to go through your reads if you're always looking to figure out where the hell the snap's going to be. So I felt like Tanner Mordecai has played decent football. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things going on around him that haven't worked very well. <laughs> but I think about next year, it, when he's gone, Braylon Allen's probably gone. Yep. It probably comes down to Ches Malusi yep, if he wants to use his last year of eligibility. But I know Jackson Aker ran the ball pretty well, but really he's, but, he yes. was a fullback coming into this year. What the hell do you have behind some of these guys? That's the big question, right, Rowdy? Um, and the, and you don't have as cushy of a schedule next year because you got the big, yeah, the new Big up. Ten in the in the West. Then we talk the, whatever it becomes. Yeah, the big yeah. Then we talk about this though. We talk about you know Luke Fickle getting his guys in place. All right, like we're gonna give him like some time this year, and then next year we get more guys in. I think what some people say, like I give him two to three years. Well, if he's getting his guys in place next year, you just listen off. No, Braylon Allen, you know, Ches Malusi, or maybe Ches Malusi's back or not. You have, uh, you know, Tanner Mordecai gone, et cetera, et cetera. Like this team, how are you going to get your guys in place when you all of a sudden got a bunch of guys gone? Who, who, who the hell's taking up those spots when they leave? Well, that's the thing. It, it feels like here lately that the run, like, you know, how Wisconsin football is always known for big offensive linemen, uh, big time running backs. Yeah. It feels like the cupboard's pretty bare at running back once you get past the, the you know number one number two because remember when there was i don't know like james white monte ball melvin gordon that's pretty nice yeah three guys that all were drafted and played in the league i remember that but it felt like for a while wisconsin would be like three deep at running back no matter who it was in their three deep plug yeah. them in they could be a thousand yard rusher i don't know once you get below braylon allen here the last two three years pretty bare yeah, Ches Malusi's he's got flashes, but he also he literally has torn his ACL, <laughs> broke Poor his guy. arm, and broke his ankle yeah. in three straight seasons. It ain't good for Ches. And then outside of him, it was like not really much. Yeah, uh looking at this team and the schedule, I'm like uh, so we were talking about the stretch coming up here, right, Rowdy, of what is uh Iowa, Ohio State, and then um Illinois. Um was that was that is that the right order? Yeah, it's so. Iowa. Yeah. It's Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. We were talking about that's you know when the schedule first came out, like oh look at this, this is this is will make or break the season right here. All right, let's reevaluate now. I mean, obviously Ohio State's Ohio State, uh, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. That's how it goes. So, what do we think of Iowa then coming up here? It's going to be three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Let's reevaluate Iowa from now from where we started. I will this say this though about the Wisconsin defense. They did only hold Rutgers to 13 points. Now, I know Rutgers' offense isn't it isn't known to be some big-time explosive offense that's going to throw 40 points up on you, but the defense seems to be trending in the right direction since, what, the third quarter, roughly, of the Washington State game. Can I give you a stat here? That's the least amount of points Wisconsin's given up ever, or this year, I should say. They gave up 14 to Georgia Southern. Was their yeah, it low. seems like the defense trending in a little bit of a, a better situation, maybe more so than the offense. Yep. But uh, So that's a good thing. That's a good sign. But Iowa, Iowa, if this defense 
plays anything like it did against Rutgers and they give up, you know, 13 points against Iowa, they should win the game because Iowa, Iowa can't, can't score. score. They can't score. They can't. What's the most they've scored all season? Uh, they stink. And then you, uh, you play Illinois. Illinois lost a ton of talent on defense. They lost Tommy DeVito, who I think is on the practice squad now with the New York Giants. Uh, they lost their starting running back that you know would be a the bell cow that would carry it thirty times yep. a game. So they lost a lot of talent. Clearly, Illinois' defense isn't anywhere as Oof. good as it was last They're year. Not good. Their offensive line isn't nearly as good. Like pretty much every position, they're not as good because they lost a lot of talent. And if you watch them on Friday night against Nebraska, or you watch them earlier in the year against Kansas, clearly that's a very down Illinois football team. And then you have Ohio State. So, But you should still continue to find ways to win those next two games against Iowa, against Illinois. And then you're sitting there, you're 6-1, and one, you're 4-0 and oh in the Big Ten, and you welcome in Ohio State, yeah. who's probably a top five team in the country at that point, and undefeated. Yeah, I mean, looking back at that the stretch now, it gets a lot easier looking at Ohio State game. I mean, Iowa again, how are they going to score points? Illinois, their whole team is kind of just stinky. I mean, Rowdy took them in the razor's edge the, uh, Friday uh, for their game against what Nebraska? Took Nebraska and the, or, sorry, Nebraska. Nebraska went out and beat up on them. So well, you look at the rest of the schedule. Iowa looks very beatable because the offense is just that bad, and they have all those injuries. The defense lost a ton of talent off a of defense, and it's it's a good defense and special teams. Don't get me wrong; I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Yeah. S- same thing with Illinois. By far, a worse team than last year. There's your Ohio State game at Indiana. Indiana is not. You're not going to confuse them with some uh, big time team and program. Northwestern barely like, held on to beat Howard. Every yeah, I don't. I, I thought Howard was going to pull off every yeah. game, and then you have what Nebraska. Nebraska is very on the one dimensional. They have to be able to run the football, and Minnesota is is much like Illinois. Lost more, a lot of talent off the defensive side of the football. Lost their quarterback. Lost their stud running back. They can't run the football the same way. They don't have the same type of players. It's. Uh, Pretty easy schedule, which we all knew it was, but it's looking even easier than you thought. And really, probably the only game in which you're going to be an underdog the rest of the season is Ohio State. Exactly. You look at the schedule, Ohio State is the only game that you circle or like, okay, I have a question about this one. Every other game, you could easily talk yourself into Wisconsin winning this thing. You you could potentially only have a two-loss Wisconsin team this year. Well, and that's the thing. How many times... Would we sit here and say, well, the offense doesn't look good. The defense hadn't looked good, and we're five games through the season. But, I mean, we could, in theory, do that all year and not look the greatest and feel like you're still putting it together. But because of your schedule and the surrounding <laughs> surrounding uh, teams in the conference, the Big Ten West isn't good. Nope. We're, I mean, we're making jokes about the West again because the West is, once again, pitiful. Wisconsin might end up 10 and 2, lose the only two games on their schedule being at Washington State who probably finished this year in the top 25 and home against a top 5 team in Ohio State and you didn't look great all year no. but you found a way to go 10 and 2 and you're probably playing in the Big 10 championship game as the West representative as they're still the only team without a loss in the Big 10 West. So despite everything not looking the prettiest for Wisconsin, you could shape up to have a damn good season without even looking that good. Like just, and you know when Luke Fickle was talking about, you know when the season first started, he's like if 
when we play against Buffalo, I hope we look completely different by the time we're playing against Minnesota. Like, AKA, we want to be growing, we want to be learning, we want to be revamping, you know, uh, you know, not on the fly, but also just kind of just getting yourself in position to win games. That's what they're doing. So if Wisconsin does, we'll say they finish 10-2, and two, they lose to Ohio State and Washington State, uh, both top 25 programs at, at the end of the season, but never looked that great. I don't know. I feel like depending on how teams play in the East, you might have Wisconsin playing in the Big Ten championship game against a Michigan or a Penn State or an Ohio State, and they might be the fifth best team in the Big Ten. Yeah. Like, clearly I think it's Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are better than Wisconsin. But I don't know. I feel like you could maybe make the argument Maryland is, too. <laughs> I mean, they just went and lost at Ohio State. What was it, by 20 points or whatever? But it was a, a game in which Ohio State was coming off of their bye uh, it was closer, it felt like, than that final score. Yeah, I feel like you could almost make the argument, if they win the West, they still might be only the fifth best team in the Big Ten. <laughs> hey, but you'll take the wins. It's you know They don't ask how, it's just how many. And right now, 2-0 and in the Big Ten, 4-1 and overall. Yeah, that Washington State, who did Washington State play again? It was, because um, that loss wasn't looking too bad. Uh, they, they lost to Arizona. No, what did they lose? UCLA. To? UCLA, that's what it was. Sorry. They're playing Arizona coming up here. Yeah, that loss isn't looking too terrible now. But. I mean, UCLA right now is probably, if you had to rank them, I know the rankings came out yesterday. I didn't really look at it, but I would say, like, if you had a top 50, UCLA is probably in the mid to low 30s. Like, they're just outside of the top 25. Yeah. Uh, it's a team that uh, Moore, the quarterback, he is a freshman there. He was not the starter week one, started getting snaps week two, and clearly is going to be a really good quarterback in the future. Yeah, uh, new new rankings out. Washington State tied for 19th here with uh, Tennessee. Where'd, um... UCLA is not going to be ranked. No. No. But they're probably within the first 10 spots outside of the top 25. Yeah, I gotta... So it's not, a, it's not a bad team. Yeah, so, Wisconsin, I mean, looking at Wisconsin... Uh... I test. What's the eye test saying right now? Like they're not a bad team. Would you say Wisconsin is good? No. Average. Probably pretty average. I mean, t- dude, you just look at the Big Ten. There's not a lot of good teams in there that are not named Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. Oh, right. Like UCLA, 18th now. Oh, they rank now. Yeah, they're 18th. Look at that. Wow. The, the one ahead of Washington State. The like, no team is. Like, Iowa's very disappointing again. Minnesota's disappointing. Illinois is disappointing. Nebraska's disappointing. Like, all those teams are... Michigan State is brutally bad. And now, obviously, they have a bunch of issues in the program with the distractions going on there. But, uh, yes, once again, I did hear Urban Meyer sniffing around Michigan State. (laughs) Big herb sniffing like you've found a co-ed on the dance floor. All right, so there's a little you know opening segment on uh, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, we got Monday night football. It's been so long since we've had Green Bay Packers. Until um, last time they played, the Brewers were still going. Uh, Badgers were, what, still on a bye, Rowdy? And uh, Bucks hadn't even started preseason. Bucks started preseason their first game yesterday with uh, the imagine out the Bulls. Uh, I don't know if anyone watched or was paying attention, but if you were, uh, Marjan Bochamp was a leading scorer for the Deer. But tonight, Rowdy, we do get it. The Raiders hosting the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has cleared concussion protocol. Um, 
Yeah, we have that long layoff. It's the yeah. mini buy where you go from the Thursday to the next week, but it's even longer because now they're scheduled for Monday night football. So you get that extended mini buy, and then you're going to play tonight in Vegas, and then you're going to go into your bye week. Yeah, here's so a we're going to be uh, void of a lot of Packer football for two full weeks. Yeah, Matt Lafleur was talking about it. He says, uh, you know, as between Lions on Thursday night football, uh, Sunday October twenty second at the Broncos and the Raiders tonight. Uh, the Monday Night Football game is the only game over 23 days. Here's LaFleur on the Yeah, uh, that, that's been something. Uh, unfortunately, we've had a lot of, you know, injuries, especially at some pretty uh, important spots. So, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of balanced the schedule as how we feel like to, to maximize and get the most out of the time spent. Um, but, it, yeah, it is a, a kind of a strange scenario. Which, I mean, it's good, right, Rowdy? Because there's a lot of injuries for the Packers. So it's like, you know, get them healthy, a little healthened up here before this, I guess you get back to actual like consecutive weeks as opposed to all this time off. Well, if you look at where they're sitting at, they're 2-2 two and two going into this Raiders game. And you look at how the schedule broke out. The first six games, it felt like they were very winnable games looking at the teams and what they were expected to be and where they're still, I guess, currently at. I think you would say that if you get through that Denver game, which would be your sixth game of the season, but through week seven, if you were three and three, I think most Packer fans would take it from what we've seen so far. And I think they're also two winnable games though. Like you could easily be four and two. I think the only way we're disappointed is if you're uh, two and four. Yeah, and and couldn't find a way to still be flirting with five hundred or better because it just feels like, man, for all of the miscues with the offensive line being up, uh, beat up with Jordan Love, you know, maybe not being the most accurate quarterback so far, but also showing f- flashes. The fact that AJ Dillon's as bad as he's been, but Aaron Jones has been hurt. The fact that Christian Watson has hardly played mm-hmm. and you're seeing flashes from some of the other younger wide receivers. The fact that we've seen flashes from Musgraves at tight end and the defense, relatively speaking, sorry, Vagabond John and and the Joe Barry fan club. The defense has been average at best. And I think overall probably below average. The fact that we're saying all that and there's still 500 and probably through six games or 500 or better. It just feels like this team could even be better record wise. Yeah, totally. It's you know, um, well, this Raiders team isn't really that. Well, how comparable to the Raiders are the Packers, Rowdy? Are they a team on similar footing, or would you give the edge to the Packers being a more complete team over the Raiders, or would you give the edge of the Raiders? Man, you look at the Raiders. I, I don't, see the, the Raiders are a mess. They are. I mean, their players are pissed off. The contract, you know, pissing and moaning about you know Josh Jacobs. Chandler Jones is a really good defensive player that has having off the field yeah, issues, and some are crazy. saying like psychotic issues where yeah, he's on the he's a distraction. Um, they want to, Josh McDaniel stinks. They want to fire his ass. Yeah, from a year ago, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been healthy so far this year. Devonte Adams was dinged up and feels like he doesn't want to yeah. really be there anymore. They talk about the no winning culture there from the players. Josh Jackson sat out because he wanted to get his deal done and wanted money because he was a guy that was looking to finally get paid as a solid running back the last you know four or five years. 
I mean, there's it. It just feels like it's a very disorganized yeah. collection of players. Max Max Crosby was upset with the uh, the franchise, and like, no, there's nothing positive coming out of Las Vegas. I think the most positive thing that I've seen coming out of Las Vegas from that team was probably the fact that Aiden O'Connell being a later round draft pick played pretty well in the preseason and, and filled in at a decent clip for when Jimmy Garoppolo was gone. It was like, Hey, maybe they actually did find a quarterback and it was a late round pick in AOC. But at the same time, it's like, we're going to celebrate maybe hitting a, a draft pick. Yeah. At quarterback, where you just signed Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, Devontae Adams gave him a little nod. He said he he's believes in the future of AOC. and the What else has been promising? Him. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, like Devontae Adams is still good. Like, he's still putting up pretty good numbers. Yeah. But it's like, you don't even hear about him. You don't even hardly talk about him because no. he's stuck in Vegas. Yeah. It's, with no- I mean, he willingly, the funny thing is, he willingly went out there. To go team up with his buddy Derek Carr, you know, college teammates and friends. And then what happened? You know, the season spirals out of control. Derek Carr benches himself or gets benched at the end. And now he's with the Saints. And, you know, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's, uh, you know, just cleared concussion protocol. Are they any good? You know, the Packers have, I'd say the, the, the Raiders are going down while the Packers are going up. We'll have two teams that are kind of like, what well, are it's they? Because the Packers, the Packers are on the upswing. The Packers have a blueprint and an outline or an idea of what they want to do with pieces that are still players that you would say that are, are getting better and better. The Raiders feel like a collection of guys that have been around for a while that if anything are on the, like on a the ship back, without a rudder. Yeah. At the back end of their career. Like look at, Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams is, I think he's around thirty years old now, if if I remember correctly. And we know at at the wide receiver position that twenty eight to thirty two is kind of like that uh, fine line where all those guys are still really really good, and then they start to to fall off, and and it's kind of a a quick one for the wide receiver position. It's all of a sudden there's a fall off. Yeah, kind of like running back, even though. They last a little longer, obviously, but it's like he's creeping up towards that number. Like he's still going to be really good this year. He'll be really good next year, and he'll probably have one more year left in him. And then he's starting to get to that age where it's like, well, he's declining. He's not the top five receiver that he was for that five year period, or you know, whatever, however long it ends up being. But yeah, he feels like he's on the back nine where he's got a couple more good years left. Jimmy Garoppolo has always been a game manager. He was yeah. never. Oh, he yeah. was never some elite talent. He was always just solid. Remember he was when decent. The, when the Packers got tuned up by the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo was six of eight for passing. Josh. Josh. Josh, Josh Jacobs is a guy that's got a ton of carries and a ton of wear and tear on his body for a, a guy that's you know been in the league for a few years now and he's looking to cash in because he knows his lifespan in this NFL game is short. Yep. Like it. It really does feel like a disorganized team just in general it's, and it's it, look at no further than the, yeah look at no further than the head coach and that was the hire yeah, they wanted to fire him last year they couldn't because they didn't have any cash to you know buy him out that's, and like you watch funny. All those, you're in vegas with not any cash that's not good you watch all those documentaries on like the the raiders and al davis back in the day it was like clearly just win, baby. he had an idea and he had a vision and and he knew what he was doing but how long had football passed him by by the end of his days? Yeah. Where remember when they would draft like Darius Hayward Bay? Anyone that had a real fast because 40, he was like, faster yeah. than hell. Hey, you're fast. We'll launch you on the Raiders. It's like oh, you ran a four 
Four two nine. All right, welcome, sign us up. Welcome to the Raiders. But that was the thing. It was like Al Davis was like very innovative and like cutting edge back in like what the six like was it the sixties seventies where he had guys doing nutrition. He had strength yeah. training. He had speed. Everyone and wanted about, like a big Frankenstein out there. He's like, well, I want this fast guy. And it was at the time that was like a new thing. It was like, oh, we got strength training. We're going with speed. We're just going to be the fastest team out there. Yeah. No one will be able to. But then here's the thing. <laughs> The game caught up with him, yep. and there was more innovation and, and, and more changes, and he never changed. He never adapted, but also he was becoming very, very old. Yep. And at the same time, ever since then, I feel like since, like, what do you think, like 2005, the Raiders organization as a whole has just kind of been disorganized and a joke and fallen behind the times. Yeah, it has been good. Uh, Last 20-ish years. Well, we have a Raiders fan that listen. Fryer Tuck, if you're out there listening, I would love to get your opinion um, You know, on the game tonight for Monday Night Football. Fryer Tuck, our one Raiders fan. When John Gruden... Shout out to Fryer. When John Gruden was the coach of the Raiders, they were solid. And then what? They had the Raiden Bowl? Yeah. Or the, sorry, the uh, Gruden Bowl yeah. with yeah, the yeah. Raiders and the Bucks in the early 2000s? Man, I don't know... What was that? Oh, three, oh, four, somewhere in there. Whatever it was, it this organization pretty much since then has felt uh, disorganized and out of whack. Yeah. Well, hell, there was talk of Devontae Adams, you know, you know, wanting out to be traded because you know a couple of games ago he's like, I don't have time for this after they lost another, you know. Yeah, they was linked back to the Packers. Yeah, linked back to the Packers. <laughs> of course. Like, I don't have time for this. Let's go win. Well, I don't think. Devon Davis would come back to Green Bay if that was the case. Um, here, I do have a comment. For I don't you. know if he fits into their plans. Yeah, as in the Packers well, plans, as in we just drafted, you know, we have two young wide receivers that are in their second year in Dobbs and in Watson. We have three others that we just drafted, and there's a couple of them that look like they're actually popping. We just drafted two new tight ends. That's why they didn't bring back Mercedes Lewis or Big Bob Tunyon or some of those type of players. You're forcing in the Musgraves and the um, Crafts of the world have to play early. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying if Devontae Adams was on this team right now, clearly it makes them better. Yes. But does he But does he actually fit for where you hope this team is in two years? Because he's at the end of his top star-studded window in two years, and he would be taking routes and, and catches and things away, yeah, away from, the, from these young guys where we know the Packers aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, remember when... Yeah. Remember when Devontae Adams like left Green Bay? He basically had this like backhanded shot at Jordan Love out the door. Do you remember that, Rowdy? When he was like he 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 didn't essentially say that Jordan Love wasn't good, but he basically said that he didn't want to stick around and wait didn't for Devontae a guy to develop. Also kind of feel like I don't know, maybe maybe I'm missing it. But he also felt like he was buddies with Rodgers. Yep. He knew that he grew up with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers being as good as he was and having helping him learn the things that not necessarily like how to catch the football or how to do this. Cause he was great with his feet, right? He had great footwork, yeah. but like learning small things here and there, maybe about scheme or this and that, or what you notice on players like Aaron Rodgers helped him not saying he made Devonte Adams, but he helped him along the way. They were buddies. Didn't it almost feel like when Aaron Rodgers felt scorned by the front office and, and uh, some of management that, some of his buddies, like the Bakhtiaris and the Devonte Adams of the world, also took on that same thing. Like yeah. they were being scorned. Yeah. Like how you treat old, you know, old veteran players veterans. on their well, way out. That was one of Rogers' big things too, right? It almost felt like Devonte Adams had that chip on his shoulder against the front office 
totally. because he was buddies with Rodgers and that was how he felt. But my thing is, Devontae Adams was always taken care of. Like, he always got, yeah, he's got the his. money. Yeah. He got his. He always, you know, did whatever. They even offered him more money than what the yeah, Raiders were when they traded him. It was him. more guaranteed money with the Packers than the and, Raiders. And that came out later. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like he was scored at the, you know, the player first anti-front office because of, you and, know, said buddies that were with the Packers when he actually always got taken care of. Yeah, there was, a, there was that rift, though. There was a lot of those older veterans that obviously were drafted by Ted Thompson did not... I don't think they cared for Ryan Gutekunst too much or the vision of the team, but yeah. So like, I think there were things that could have been done differently to a point, but also it's like, boys, you're still playing cutthroat NFL football. Like this has been a business. It'll always be a business and it'll always be cutthroat. Totally. Once you lose a step, you're out. Yeah. It's, that's just the nature that's, of the That's beast. what it is. Well, how about this, Roddy? Uh, Devontae Adams, I have a clip. It's funny you bring up the, the Packers and you know his relationship. Devontae Adams was asked about you know the Packers as this is going to be the first time he's played his former team. He said he still keeps in contact with the Green and Gold, even called Matt LaFleur on his birthday. Hey, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously that's the part leading up to it. But then once the game starts, it's just like every other game. Um, I mean, it's not going to be a whole lot of emotion and all that other stuff tied up in it once you know the, the clock is ticking. So... You know, the the story and, and the, the specialness of the opportunity to play a team that you kind of, um, you know, grew up in that organization is, is special. But then, like I said, once once we get going, it's time to go. So there you go. I mean, Devontae's still keeping – I feel like a lot of those guys will keep in touch with their former teammates and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, that's – Yeah, they all have each other's numbers unless it's like Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the only thing – if you look around the uh, other leagues, it's only like Giannis Adenakumbo who won't take other guys' numbers. If you just saw the other you know, a week or two ago, Giannis came out to say that he does not practice with any active players in the NBA that aren't on his own team because he wants to keep that competitive advantage. Well, here's my thing. But all those if, NFL guys, if I right? was in their situation – Unless I really didn't like a dude and didn't want to, you know, be around him, thought he was whatever, mm-hmm. I'd probably take about as many numbers as I possibly could for any connections, whether that be for any type of edge that could help you, whether that be for a nutritionist that they have that they really like that's good, or a weight guy, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyone or, or or place to practice or work out, any little edge you can get with being connected and networking is only going to help and prolong your career unless you really didn't like the guy. Well, I like the Giannis, not to you know get off the Packers, I like the Giannis approach too. It's like, I don't want to practice with active NBA players that aren't on my team. Like, I want to keep the competitive edge that I don't like them. Like, you know, back in like, you know, physical 90s before social media made everyone, fr- I guess, friends in the NFL maybe or the NBA. Or but I also think baseball. in today's day and age with the networking, like in basketball being like, hey, we should team up and make a big three. Yeah, that can also help prolong your career. Remember James? Oh, yeah. Remember James Jones? Yeah. Not, not hoodie. James Jones, the basketball player. That dude got like five extra years in the NBA because he was buddies with LeBron. And they're like, yeah, you can hit the three, come off the bench, and and walk up and down the court a few times and hit a couple threes. That guy's career was like, he was a, he looked like a zombie playing for the Heat. Him, remember Mike? Uh, was it Miller? Mike Miller? Yeah, he bounced, yeah because yeah. LeBron. Yeah, because he was LeBron's buddy and he could knock down a shot. He literally he could barely get up and down the court in that one NBA Finals. Dude, um, James Jones, the basketball player. Yeah. He played from 2003 to 2017. Yeah. He wasn't good enough to play 14 years, but he networked his ass off with a guy named LeBron. 2003 to 2017. Unbelievable. Um, 
No, you don't. When and by the way, your, a three-time NBA champion. When you're in your prime, like a Giannis or a LeBron, yeah, you don't need to do anything with anyone else because you're the man. Yeah. But these other guys that maybe they're starting to decline where they're a receiver that is 30 years old and, you know, you got two more good years, but you want to play five more, you might need some of these connections to stay in the league or to f- figure out how you're going to keep getting contracts. Yeah, who's the ultimate journeyman of all time in the NBA? Robert Ory? Um, Josh Jackson. Um, was it was it Josh? Josh Ultimate. I don't know. Who am I thinking of? Um. Anyways, well, not to get on NBA uh, tangent here, but back to the Packers. Yeah. Um. Devonte Adams will be an interesting storyline. Um. And then Jimmy Garoppolo has cleared the concussion protocol. Uh, Rowdy, what the Raiders started by a two? I think last time I looked. Have you have you checked it out? Yeah. Later? So that was um. Unfortunately, the Packers open favored. And it is now moved to the Raiders, but yeah, plus two. Uh, let's see here. Udonis Haslam, ultimate journey guy, says Scotty Dog. <laughs> he still might be playing. I think he is. Um, I, he was playing, I know, at least, was it last year or two years ago? He was like 43. That was like where he almost got in a fight in like one of the last games of the season where he went in and touched the ball for the first time. Maybe I'm thinking of Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, ultimate journeyman. Yeah, Joe Johnson. He played from 2001 to 2022. I think he still might be playing in the big three. He That was the ultimate journeyman. Um, oh, is he in the big three right now? I, I know he so. was. He Because remember, he had not played in the NBA for a couple of years. And he was playing the big three, and then all of a sudden he came back on like 10-day contracts. Yeah, he was... Uh, 2018 was his last year the Houston Rockets and he took time off and that was supposed to be big three. Then in 2021 he came back with the Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know the big three was still on. It, yeah, I have no but idea. But it is. It is. Big three games. Ice Cube, baby. All right, the, we'll get back to the Packers here. We'll get to talk David Bakhtiari. Also some uh, playoffs, some baseball playoffs. Uh, Clayton Kershaw getting rocked and booed as the Diamondbacks, who, yes, beat the Brewers. Put it on the freaking Dodgers. They are two wins away from the NLCS. Wow. Uh, did um, did your Braves lose too, Rowdy? Yeah. To the, they got shut out. The fighting fills? So the last time the Braves uh, were shut out in a playoff game, since you brought it up, was 1998. Another year where the Braves were the best team in baseball and everyone thought they were going to win until they ran into the Padres. Man. Now we'll talk a little baseball coming up here. We got... Playoff baseball underway. So, Rowdy, if you beat the Milwaukee Brewers in the playoffs 100% of the time, this is factual. Go check it. If you beat the Milwaukee Brewers in the playoffs 100% of the time, you go to the World Series. Well, the Diamondbacks beat the Milwaukee Brewers, and then they went and they tuned up Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. My God, Rowdy. What do you think of the D-backs? I know we got a little uh, Bracer's Edge coming up here about it, but what do you think of the D-backs taking game one from L.A.? I find it really interesting how the MLB playoffs have been structured. I don't know whether that be for around, you know, Sunday night or Sunday football and, and everything like that, but they remember all of those series finished in the wild cards to nothing. The team that won, they all won the, won the the wild card series in two games. Mm -hmm. Then we had that weird, Thursday off. Well, sorry. We had the Thursday off, which is normal because you're going to have the, you know, the travel day, blah, blah, blah. Then you're going to start up again normally on Friday, but they didn't. Remember? And then they had everybody start up on Saturday. Yep. 
I remember. When there was only like two college football games on Friday night. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have anything played on Friday. They didn't have anything. Or then they had both the series start up on Saturday. And now yesterday they played the AL. And now Sunday. <laughs> or Monday now the NL plays again after playing, having two days off, playing one game, day off, and now playing one game. They didn't move cities. I <laughs> know. Yeah, you're right there. Like, I... I don't know. I don't get it. But I think that helps the Dodgers oh, yeah. if it helps anyone. Because yeah. you think about the momentum that the, the Diamondbacks had coming into the series. They had just taken two games against the Brewers, swept the Brewers in Milwaukee. Then they got to fly out there out west to the to L.A. to take on the Dodgers. But they had that extra day to get ready. Well, they come in there, light up Clayton Kershaw, get a huge win. And then they had to take a day off. Like, it feels weird. It does. What? Okay, well, you know what's weird? Clayton Kershaw. Um, Clayton Kershaw come October is such a different guy than the regular season. Clayton Kershaw's regular season ERA is 2.48. Uh, then they compared him to Sandy Colfax, who's got a 2.76 ERA. Then Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs, an ERA of 4.49. And they compared him to Sandy Colfax playoffs, 0.95 ERA. He said, if you think that's luck, then you are wrong. And then you look at Kershaw. How about this stat, Rowdy? Of the 29 pitchers in Major League Baseball history with 15-plus starts, Clayton Kershaw has the worst ERA of all of those pitchers in Major League Baseball history. 15-plus starts, Kershaw, worst ERA. Yeah. The hell's up with playoff Kershaw? He's been snake bit in October. I know that at times Max Scherzer's been snake bit in October. It's a different animal. Clayton Kershaw is the first starting pitcher in Major League Baseball postseason history to allow five hits and five runs before recording an out. So I actually <laughs> saw... <laughs> Damn. I actually saw there were some tweets, and it, it picked up some traction. That's how it came on my For You on Twitter Oh, tab. I love the For You tab. Mine is awesome. Um, but they were talking about how this person wanted the one-game elimination games back, to especially in the wild card. Because it put an emphasis and an excitement. But I don't know. Being a Brewer fan where you got to watch two games after winning your division because it was a best of three, (laughs) even though it was in Milwaukee, feels pretty deflating when you're out in 27 hours and in two games. Because baseball feels like it doesn't feel like it is a sport played in series. Yeah. It's 162 games. So I don't know. That's what goes back to what we were talking about last week where towards the end of the week. Where would you rather have less teams make the playoffs but best of seven series and, and get it going right away? Or would you rather have more teams make the playoffs and do more of those single elimination where you could play an entire year and then be done in, in one game? Yeah, it's, well, it's just, you know, speaking of being done so fast, you look at an ace like Kershaw who's an all-timer, and you're like, all right, dude, we're going to give you the ball on an important starts here uh, in October, and then you're just going out there and, and just piss down your leg. Or is it destiny? The Diamondbacks. What do we know about destiny? If you beat the Brewers in the playoffs, you're destined 100% of the time to go to the World Series. Is Kershaw, Kershaw just a victim of destiny now? I don't know. You think the Diamondbacks stand a chance, or can get it done in this series? I mean, obviously, I mean, it's interdivision. They're up yeah. one to nothing. They so know them. These are two teams that know each other pretty well. And the one thing so far for the Dodgers was the bolt. So on paper... The Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen is worse. But if you look at how the season broke down for L.A., their bullpen the first 
two, three months of the season was terrible. But then right around the All-Star break, it was absolute money after the All-Star break. Now, a few guys come back. You know, you work some things out. Maybe uh, pull a guy up here or there. Do whatever. But, yeah, it was night and day for that uh, Dodgers bullpen. For how bad they were to start the season, they were that much better. I think they ended up finishing... Uh, as like a top 10 bullpen. I think it might have been even top five, which is crazy because they were like a bottom 10 bullpen for much of the first half of the season. Uh, So that's one thing. And that bullpen in in game one didn't help Kershaw. Like they got that. They they just got absolutely railroaded. Yeah, We'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, overall, we'll see. uh, We'll see if, if they can come back because now with this best of, it's only a best of five. So Arizona's only got to win. Two more games out of the next four. Look at that. They just got to split and they'll win it. Yeah. And then also looking around, obviously, uh, you got uh, the Rangers taking on the Orioles and the Twins beating the Strohs. And um, you had the Phillies, you know, they're beating the uh, the Braves. Doesn't it feel like all of a sudden the the Braves were the Braves were the best team in baseball? No doubt about that. Sit and wait. The Dodgers got extremely hot in the second half, but now we're seeing game one implosion. It felt like the Braves were by far the best team in baseball, but after them, everyone else was beatable. Uh-huh. And it would be like obviously the Dodgers would have, if I had to rank them all one, two, three, I probably would have went one Atlanta, two LA, three Baltimore. But it felt like everyone else could be kind of taken advantage of or beaten outside of Atlanta. And if Atlanta starting pitching held up, which weirdly enough it did, they didn't score any runs. <laughs> the team that averaged almost six runs per game did not score a run. Yeah. And the, the starting pitching did hold up. They only gave up three. Wild. Well, I'm strapping. We got more of it. We did talk some of this on Saturday for the zone Blitz pregame bash out at the red zone, had a great time sipping Coors light, but the news broke, but Friday, and then the guy sat in front of his locker and talked to um, the reporters for a very long time. That would be about one David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari got hurt on the final day of 2019. He ushered in 2020 with a uh, torn ACL, and he has never been the same since. Rody, that's three years ago. Like, that's crazy. David Bakhtiari has only played in 13 games since his ACL injury, and the last one was the opener against the Chicago Bears. He will now have his sixth sixth surgery to repair cartilage, and now his goal is to be back for training camp next year. You can't cut him, can you? Not right now. Yeah, that because then he's got all this like injury grievance that he would have behind him. Yeah, it's this is not looking good for the Packers. And obviously Bakhtiari and his knee, too. Yeah, he is getting paid a lot of money. Because we're like, well, just caught him. Well, you can't. And then he's going to get that injury grievance. He's making how much next year? 40? Uh, over $40 million a year. Oh! And that's the thing. It was the, the Packers' perfect world was you get this banged-up, beat-up David Bakhtiari, but when he's on the field, he's good to go, right? Yeah. And you're trying to hopefully get him through this season. He was going to help protect the first... Start uh, first year starting quarterback in Jordan Love, and the offensive line would be decent. There'd be some pieces. Blah blah blah. It was just getting him through the season because then next year you see that Rasheed Walker all of a sudden has played pretty decent. Uh, you know we know that Yash Nyman has has played pretty good when he had to fill in, and 
you're sitting there. Elton Jenkins can play the tackle position, played it well, but obviously he had been hurt with a knee injury as well. But you're sitting there going, man, he he comes back, gets him through this year. He's an easy cut next year. It saves him $21 million to cut. And now you might not even have that opportunity to save that money because now this injury, even if he retired, say he retires, you're still, you're still locked into that guaranteed money. (laughs) Insane. Let's hear from Bakhtiari. Um, uh, Bakhtiari, why he has uh, agreed to yet another surgery, this time on his cartilage. I'm willing to give what I can for this team. And I think, uh, you know, every man in here sacrifices their body. For me, I, I'm willing to sacrifice a lot. And I think uh, we only got one shot at it. I can't go play football when I'm 50, and I need to make sure also I can move around now and when I'm older. So uh, when my long-term goals and my short-term goals kind of align with having to get this procedure done, that kind of also made it really easy, too. I'm like, well, if I need it when I'm older and I need it when I'm younger to play, because the the other part of the equation, like I said, there's multiple is can I just get through it, play the amount of football I want to play, and then we just clean it all up when I retire? That also came, you know, there's... I'd love for it to be as black and white and simple, but it was a very, uh, there was so many variables that went into play. Uh, Well, I I mean, you got to think about long-term as well. Bakhtiari also talks, you know, on, uh, says his ACL and the knee injuries, uh, happen all the time. And doctors have told him his knee has reacted differently than others. This talks on multiple of these surgeries, uh, you know, hundreds of them, a lot on athletes, you know, basketball players, uh, he's worked a lot uh, extensively on, like I said, it just, I'm a symptomatic individual when it comes to this type, this specific injury. Um, you know, we tried, you know, every which way to see to not have to get the surgery or to make sure really this is the option that we have to take, the course of action we need to take. Um, and that was where I would kept battling just to try and make sure I can be out there and play. Um, and then obviously we hit a point where it's been drawing on so long where I'm like, okay, clearly we just need to fix this because I don't think this is a very sustainable uh, way to play and continue uh, the latter part of my career. Um, you know, I'm playing, no one knows when I'm going to play, no one knows when I, when I can, and when my body tells me no, like that, that's just, that's not, it's not a good recipe. Brody, you know what's not good is what the Packers are on hook for paying David Bakhtiari. Like, <laughs> How about he's like, yeah. Um, so the surgeon, the doctor that I'm seeing, he's done a lot of knee surgeries, hundreds on a lot of different athletes, and everyone's knees, you know, come back and, and function differently, but mine's kind of different than all of those. <laughs> well, you're also the one that hasn't been able to consistently play since 2020, so I'm going to say if yours isn't like all of those – Yours is the bad one. Or would you say get a new doctor? <laughs> I mean, Dude, I would is there a to... second, third, fourth opinion? Well, there? I mean, I'm, I'm sure the doctors the stated. We could probably does. find out, but and then you know, read between the lines and figure out who this doctor has done work with. But I'm sure if if athletes go to him, and he's done hundreds and hundreds of these, he's probably pretty good. Yeah, and yours and seems like it's pretty effed up. If, if yeah, if we knew that uh, you know. Insert, you know, like Adrian Peterson went to this guy and then he came back and had his 2000 yard season or, you know, insert these big names that have went to him and, and they got him fixed and they came back and it was like, well, clearly this is not a good one. Mm-hmm. Like your knee isn't reacting like all the other ones that came back and were strong. <laughs> and and I, 
you know, maybe it was, maybe the, maybe the doctor did screw up, but I'm not going to throw the doctor on the bus because it sounds like he's successful and does these quite well. Yeah. It probably is just your knee, which is horrible for the Packers, horrible for David Bakhtiari, horrible for the fans. Maybe this is good news here. And Bakhtiari talks about here, does he have a sense of relief that the doctors think this next surgery on his cartilage will be the final one? Well, let's, let's hear I said, well, let's absolutely see. not. This sucks. No. I mean, this is not a. I don't enjoy it. You know, I want to come practice, go play, joke around. It's it's unfortunate that that I have to do it. I mean, I'm holding back a decent amount of emotions uh, about it. Uh, like I said, that's uh, the the. That's why I say it's just been tough. That's a blanketed statement. I mean, it's I, I could give them to a lot of um, adjectives to describe the situation. Um, I think tough is the. Simple, easy way to put it. So it doesn't have. It's not like you don't have much confidence in it being the final one either. Remember, remember when? Um, wow. Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers did their last dance stuff. Yeah. And everyone thought it was because Aaron Rodgers was on his way out. Well, it turns out that Devonte Adams knew he was leaving, and then Rodgers left the year after. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like if David Bakhtiari would have confirmed, yeah, I just need one more surgery because of how effed up his knee has been and how many surgeries he's already had. I almost wouldn't believe him because it would have been like, okay, well the last one would have been like, okay, we have one more surgery and then he's done. It wouldn't have been because he was a hundred percent. It would have been because that was the last surgery he was going to do. His knees just shot. <laughs> so uh, mm, that's tough, man. I mean, you feel bad for the guy. You feel bad and for when the you're Packers. As, and when you're as big as David Bakhtiari is and you're as heavy as David Bakhtiari is, obviously there's more there's more pressure and and you know stuff on that knee when you are six foot four, you know, three hundred and twenty five pounds, and if you're some five foot eight guy walking around that weighs hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. Like clearly there's a lot of pressure and force. And then when you're going up and playing against because I think we would all agree that some of the most overall athletic guys in the NFL happen to play outside linebacker and defensive end. Mm -hmm. Those big men that are fast and strong and quick that he has to go against. Clearly, if he's going to keep playing, he's only getting older and the knee's going to get worse and he's only going to become more breakable because he's getting older and the body's breaking down. Of course, there's going to, he might have another five surgeries once he retires. And I don't know how much longer this guy's going to be playing. That's, that's, that's tough.